The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. and amen. It's so good to have you back, Pastor T. Welcome back. Hey, amen. Now, come on, we can, we can clap much louder than that, right? So good to have our pastor back. We missed you. You know, the kids were asked, um, you know, about their father, like, what do they love about their father? And, and Tinai says, I love my daddy because he looks like me. And when he br- goes overseas, he brings me lots of toys. <laughs> so you were not only missed by us, but you're also missed by your children. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Come on. Is this the 8 a, what, 10 a.m. service that had breakfast? <laughs> Amen. Good morning, church. Amen. Well, church, you know, we are finally wrapping up. You know, the series we started almost four weeks ago, and we titled this series, Run Your Own Race. And man, we've been receiving so many amazing testimonies really around what the Lord is really starting to speak and and really do in people's lives. But I think the testimonies that have really just blessed my heart um, is receiving testimonies for some of the younger people in this family, receiving testimonies from some of the youth, you know, about how the Lord is starting to really speak purpose, you know, speak destiny into their lives. And man, as as they run, their own race with boldness, confidence, and passion, man, I'm really believing that God will begin to inspire the young people in their lives. You know, that as they're running this race, they're running their own race, you know, God will really begin to stir up, you know, desires in the young people around them to also run their own race and to also fulfill the amazing things that God has for their lives too. Amen. And so let's go quickly to our foundational scripture. And our foundational scripture is in Hebrews 12 verse 1. And you've probably noticed that we've been reading this specific passage in different translations. So today we're going to read it in the Living Bible. So that's the TLB. And you know, for those that haven't really had a chance to listen to the teachings, I highly encourage you, you know, to check out the teachings on our Facebook channel, on our YouTube channel, and they're also on the on the on, on SoundCloud as well, Faithful Church's SoundCloud channel, if there's such a thing. Okay, but please, you want to make sure that you catch up because because I'm just going to be moving on. And so in Hebrews 12 verse 1 in the Living Bible says, Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the ground stands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And it says, And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. And so what we learn again from this passage of scripture is that there is a particular race to which God is calling us. You know, God has a race for you. You know, God has a race for me. You know, whether this race is in in the marketplace, whether this race is in the government, you know, whether this race is on the mountain or the sphere of influence of art and entertainment, media, the family mountain, education, or really if this race is in the fivefold ministry itself, each and every single one of us, man, and there's no one excluded. If you're old, if you're young, God has a race that you need to run. Amen. And so we learned last week that God has a call, God, each and every single one of us actually has a call of God on our lives okay we also learned um, uh, in, in previous weeks that this calling uh, we've had this calling even even before even before we were even born 
And, and so I want to tell someone this morning that you, you know, you're just so, so, so very special to God. You're so, so special to God. Because even before you ever existed, ever existed, God had already mapped out a course for your life. Even before you were ever, you know, a t thought of, even in, by your parents. You know, God had already planned, you know, for the specific plans and purpose for, yours, for your life. And, and so I'm so passionate about reminding people about this. I'm, I'm actually so, so passionate about telling people that God knew you were coming. He knew you were coming. None of us are an afterthought. None of us. You know, you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You know, God formed each and every single one of us on purpose for very significant purpose. And so last week we learned that purpose can, you know, generally be categorized into two. We learned um, that there's a primary purpose and then what's called the specific purpose or calling. And we said that last week, our primary purpose is simply this. Our primary purpose is really to know Jesus, to know God and make him known. If you are a believer, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and man, if you haven't done that as yet, we're going to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Man, you need to be born again, okay? But if you're born again, if you're a believer, your primary purpose is simply being in a relationship with, with the Father. You're having a relationship with Jesus. And man, as the more you become deeply um, and intimately acquainted you know, with Jesus, the more we learned last week that you begin to become conformed to his very image. Man, you begin to sound like him. You begin to talk like him. You begin to look like him. You know, the more we become so intimately acquainted with Jesus the more we begin to reflect his nature, his goodness, his kindness, man, his everything, not only to the world at large, but also to our world, you know, also to the people that God has placed in our lives. Amen. And so we also learned last week that out of this being in a relationship, right, then and only then can we really discover and find out the doing, right? And that doing, we said, is our specific, our specific purpose um, or, or, or really our calling. I said our calling is something that absolutely no one else can do but you. And we, we learned last week that, you know, our calling, in, in fact, is, 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 is as unique as our fingerprints. Science say there are no two fingerprints alike. Well, the reality is that there are actually no two callings that are alike because each and every single person is really designed, you know, is created according to their calling. Amen. And so I just want us to just sort of tie up that, 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 that whole topic on purpose because there really were some things I, I really didn't manage to get across and I, just, I really just want to wrap it up. But if you're taking down notes, I want, to take, want you to write this down. Our primary purpose will always facilitate our calling. Okay, that's very important. Our primary purpose will always facilitate our calling. Because the, the truth of the matter is this, the only way we can truly um, discover and fulfill our calling is, is really by abiding in our primary purpose. And so let's look at a, a really uh, powerful example um, of the relationship between, between primary purpose and calling. And we're going to go quickly to Mark 1. We're going to read verses 15 to 17. Guys, today is going to be a bit of a Bible study. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to preach today. I'm going to teach. You know, I really feel the Lord wants me to wrap this up, uh, really teaching you some key principles that are really going to change your life. Amen. And so Mark um, chapter 1, verses 15 to 17 in the King James. Um, this is really the story of, of Simon Peter. 
and, and, and what we begin to see here is we begin to see um, how Peter's primary purpose was revealed to him right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And then later on, we're going to read a passage of scripture in John 21, where we're going to see that by abiding in his primary purpose, uh, Peter was then able to actually discover his calling. And so the scripture says in Mark 1, um, verses 15 to 17, it says, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, so this was Jesus, right? As Jesus, he's beginning his earthly ministry now. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. It says, He saw Simon, in other words, Simon Peter, and he saw Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Then in verse 18, it says, They immediately left their nets, and they followed him, they followed Jesus. And so what we see right here in these passages of scripture is Peter's primary purpose was simply to follow Jesus. You know, in other words, Peter's primary purpose was, was to know Jesus, right? To, know, to get to know Jesus personally for himself. And, and we know, you know, scripture says, you know, that Peter spent three years, he spent three years following Jesus. I mean, he spent three years getting to really know Jesus more intimately, getting to know Jesus' nature, his goodness, his, his love personally, you know, for himself. And then we see in John 21, and we're going to go there, but we see as Peter was abiding in his primary purpose, he begins to discover his calling. Now, this is so, so important, church. And, and, and the reason I think why I really feel the Lord wants me to kind of wrap this um, area up on purpose is, is most times, we can get so focused, in fact, we can get so consumed on, on, on the doing, right? Okay? And, and I'll be the first one to put up my hands, right? In the past, before I knew that there was this link between primary purpose and calling, man, I'd be like, what does the Lord want me to do? What am I called to do for the Lord? What am I doing? I want to do, do, do. And so most of the times we get so focused on the doing when really all the Lord wants us to focus on, in fact, all the Lord wants us to be consumed with is really on the being, you know, God wants us to focus on being in a relationship with him. You know, if God wants us to focus really on, on, on really getting to know Jesus more intimately, being more uh, personally acquainted with Jesus. And, and I felt stirred up in the first service to, to really tell someone um, here this morning that, you know, God just wants to hang out. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to hang out with you. And I know, you know, some of you here are, are mothers of very young kids. It's, it's, it's a very demanding season of your life. It, it truly is. I mean, I, I was absolutely there. But all the Lord wants you to, to do is keep the main thing the main thing. Right. Keep the main thing the main thing. And your primary purpose is simply, man, just get to know Jesus. Just get to spend time with Jesus in, in the Word. And talking to Him. Man, getting Jesus to love on you in the Word. Just getting to know, know, know Jesus. Amen. And, and really, out of being in a relationship with Jesus, man, then and only then, and I'm actually going to be really bold to say then and really only then, can you truly discover your doing. You know, then and only then can you truly discover and fulfill your specific calling. And so we see in John 21, Verse 15, we're going to read 15, and they're probably going to paraphrase the, the, the verses up to 17, uh, 17 and 18, because I really, I really want to cover a lot today, and I didn't manage to get time to cover it in the first service. But we see that as, as Peter was abiding in his primary purpose, Jesus, Jesus began to reveal his calling. And so in, in, in John 21, verse 15, it says, And so um, when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And in fact, this whole conversation goes on and on. And, and, you know, Jesus keeps asking Peter, you know, do you love me? And Peter goes, man, of course I love you. So the second time um, Jesus asks him, um, you know, if he loves him, he then says, you know, uh, tend my sheep. You know, and the third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, of course, what is that? What's up with this Lord? You know, but then Jesus was actually revealing Peter's calling because Jesus, the third time he says this, he says, feed my sheep. And so what we see in these passages of scripture, John 21, 15, read it for yourself, write it down if you don't have your Bible, all the way to to verse 18, is we see Jesus beginning to reveal Peter's calling into the pastoral ministry, right? Um, Jesus is beginning to reveal Peter's calling really as a shepherd, as a shepherd in in the church. So, man, this is such an important principle that we can learn here. And as Peter was abiding in his primary purpose, God began to hone in hone in into his specific purpose into his into his calling and 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 church this is this is the same the same is true about our lives it it really is you know as we are abiding in our primary purpose you know god will begin to but god will begin to 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 speak to reveal to us too you know our our unique calling the unique calling for our lives amen so we're going to carry on really from where we left off and um, if I was to come up with the title of a message, because they're always saying, what's the title of your message, you know? Um, I, I, I'd probably say the title of the message today is, okay, I'm called, now what? Mm-hmm. I'm called, now what, right? You know, some of us, God started revealing what our unique um, calling is, and he started to speak to us. We've recognized it, we've probably even accepted it in our lives. But now the question we're asking is, how do I go about fulfilling God's plan for my life? Well, that's what we're going to be answering today, right? Today we're going to be looking at three, and I really hope we cover the three people, okay? So I'm going to go as fast as we can. So my earnest expectation is that we look at three people in the Bible, okay? And we're going to look at some key lessons from their life. Look at Tinashe is nodding at me. He's like, come on, let's go. We need to go. To- we only covered one in the first seven. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to stop with the stories. I'm meant to teach. I know, Lord, you said I'm meant to teach. Okay, I'm going to teach. No, no stories today. But we're going to look at three people in the Bible and we're going to look at some key lessons from their lives that man, I, I really believe are going to help you. They're going to help me. They really have helped me um, really to be successful in running your own race and, and ultimately fulfilling all the amazing things that God has specifically destined for each and every single one of us to do. Okay, so are you ready? Yeah. Amen. We're wrapping it up today. And then I'm just so grateful to God. Because, man, I believe, you know, like, he, the Lord really stretched me here. <laughs> and, and, man, I'm really grateful um, to you, Pastor T, really, just for, for this series. I, I think it's really just making a difference in people's lives. And so really grateful um, to God to God for really um, showing, showing us these things in his word. But let's, let's go quickly to Romans 1, 1 verse 1. And, and really, this is Paul addressing the Roman congregation. And Paul starts to really talk about his personal call. And, and, this is, and this is what the scripture says. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And so I want us to really um, to zone in on two really important words in, in this scripture that, that Paul really uses to describe two distinct periods in his life. So the first word that I want us to really zone in on is the word called. Because Paul says in Romans 1 verse 1, he says he was called to be an apostle. Okay? The second word that I also want us to zone in on is that word separated. 
Because, uh, you know, after telling us that he's called to be an apostle, Paul carries on and then he talks about being separated, you know, unto the gospel of God. Okay? So I want you to put your finger on that, you know, if you've got a paper Bible, kind of put a bookmark on that passage of scripture. Because we're going to kind of flip over and we're going to go to Galatians um, 1 verse 15. And, and, and in this passage of scripture, again, we see those two words appear. Can we see Paul? He's, he, he actually begins to use those two, exact two words again. And this time what Paul says is he says, but when it pleased God who separated me, there's that word, and it says from my mother's womb and called me, there's another, that word again, called by his grace. And so here Paul begins to add a little bit more, more, more color right, to this calling and, and separation. And, and what he reveals here is he starts to tell us that both our calling and our separation are really by the grace of God. And that's really going to be important because we're really going to talk about that a little bit later. So, so keep that, keep that in, on top of your mind, okay? Calling and separation are both by the grace of God. And so the question you're probably asking is, what does it really mean to be called? You know, what does it really mean to be separated? Um, let's start off with the word called. Uh, the, the Greek word for called is the, is the Greek word kaleo. And kaleo simply means to call aloud. It means to summon. And it also means to call toward. And so again, you know, if, you, if you're born again, you have a call from God. And, and we, again, and, and I just want to reiterate uh, this with you because I know there's some of you that weren't um, in, in some of our teachings. But a calling is simply the specific will of God for your life. Yeah. For your life. Okay? Uh, the calling is also the doing, right? It's also the work that God wants you to accomplish during your time here on this earth. Okay? So that's calling. Then the second question we asked is, what is, what is separation? What does it mean to separate or to be separated? Well, the word we translate separate is a Greek word that I cannot pronounce. So I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. I'm just going to spell it. <laughs> so it's A-P-H-O-R-A-O. That. That one. Okay. So A-P-O-P-O um, means to, to set apart by boundaries. And it all, that's, quite, that's quite key. Okay. It means to set apart by boundaries. You know, it also means to sever. That's quite important. Hey, you're getting there, okay? It also has the dual meaning of separating someone from something while also separating them to something, okay? So let's keep those, those, those sort of definitions in mind because what we begin to see in these passages of Scripture is that God not only has a calling really on, on everyone, everyone's life, but, but he also has a point of separation for us too. Okay? So there's going to be a time period, and this is quite important to know. There's going to be a time period between when we recognize and when we accept God's call for our lives and the time between where we, um, where we get separated, right? The time where God finally puts a boundary around our lives and, and, and launches, out, launches us out, right? Into, into actually fulfilling, fulfilling that call or fulfilling, or fulfilling that ministry, okay? So let's look a little bit at the life of Paul. Because this is really what I believe. If we can understand Paul's uh, calling and Paul's separation, then I believe we can truly begin to understand our own calling and our own um, separation and, 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 and really begin to get answers to that question. Like, I'm called. Now what? Okay? Um, so so Paul's, Paul's calling was revealed to him supernaturally. 
supernaturally on the road to Damascus. Uh, you know how that story goes? He was, he was on his way to killing some Christians. Right? And, and, the, and the, the scriptures say, you know, as he was on this road, a light shone all around them and it blinded him. And during all of that like drama, <laughs> you know, the Lord appears to him supernaturally. And the Lord begins to speak to him and reveal uh, Paul's specific um, purpose. In other words, the Lord begins to reveal Paul's calling. So we're going to go to Acts chapters 26 and we're going to read verses 18, uh, 15 actually to 18. And the reason why I'm going to ex uh, these passages of scripture is because Paul is actually recounting this Damascus experience. And this is probably one of the most detailed accounts of what happened on the road that day. And so the scripture says in verse 15, and it said, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise <laughs> and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. And the Lord begins to tell him what his purpose is. He says, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles. And the, and the, the Lord says this, to whom I now send you. Amen. To whom I now send you. And I'm not going to read verse 18. Please write it down. Read it for yourself at home. And so what we see in these passages of scriptures, Paul heard an audible voice from Jesus. He heard an audible voice from Jesus, you know, really about, about his calling. And what Jesus so audibly told Paul was that not only have I called you to be a minister, but I've also called you specifically to be a minister to the Gentiles. And I don't know about you, church, but if I heard an audible voice from the Lord telling me about my calling, my, my specific purpose on this earth, I'd be ready to go. Man, I'd be like, Lord, let's do this now. Let's do this. Come on, Jesus. Right? And I believe, man, I don't think Paul was any different. I, think, I believe, you know, Paul heard this audible voice from the Lord. He was ready to go. He was so ready to go to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Come on, Jesus. Let's do this. <laughs> But, but this is not what happens, church, okay? It, it, really, it really isn't. In fact, in fact, not a single door was opened for Paul's actual ministry to the Jews, get this, for 14 years. 14 years. God, there are people starting to like wonder, you know? 14 years elapsed between the call on the road to Damascus and the time of his separation into the ministry that the Lord had destined for him to fulfill. In fact, that point of separation is actually recorded in Acts 13. Yeah, it's long. It's long. That in, in, in Acts 13, um, verses 1 to 2, and this is where the, the Holy Spirit, you know, supernaturally speaks again, you know, to, to Paul and Barnabas during a prayer meeting, guys, okay, at a church um, in Antioch. And the scripture simply says this, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and, and Saul, Paul, okay? And verse 2, it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas, and Saul, Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Do you see that? That's, that's past tense, right? The work which I have called them. And then in verse 3, it says, Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Oh, this, this, is, this is really powerful. 
Because really what we see in Paul's life is that there was a time period between the moment that Paul received the call to minister and the moment that he was separated to do the work of that ministry. And church, I, I, I think it's a, I'm going to be a bearer of good news. Okay? But, but the same thing is absolutely true about us. It's it, it, it absolutely true about us. You know, every single one of us has a calling. But just because you've recognized that calling, just because you've accepted you know, that calling, it doesn't mean that automatically you know, you're going to be launched out into fulfilling, into fulfilling that calling. We need time. And there's going to be a time period that's going to exist for every single one of us, really between that core and, and, and really between being separated into, into that core. And so the question I was reading as I was really studying out these scriptures, um, I started asking myself, well, what happened in Paul's life uh, for those 14 years between Damascus and between Antioch? Right? I thought, you're probably wondering, right? Those are the questions I'm asking. I'm asking the Lord, what happened? You know, what brought Paul to the point where the Holy Spirit now supernaturally opened up the door and, and sent him out to fulfill his ministry to the Gentiles after 14 years? You know, could there be a lesson that we could learn from Paul's life that really we could glean that can show us how we move from calling to the point of separation? And I want to submit to you the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, the lesson we can, we can actually glean from Paul's life actually forms the first lesson that I want to share with you this morning. And that lesson, really, if you're, if you're taking down notes, is simply this. The key to moving from calling to separation. Are you ready for this? Because this is really something that we as a church, man, this is something we teach. We actually live it. Okay? And it seems so simple, but it's so key. The key to moving from calling to separation is simply this. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, Paul was faithful. He was a faithful man. You know, whatever, whatever Paul's hands found to do, he did it. He did it faithfully. And, and all Paul simply did was just let his reputation speak for him. In fact, in Galatians 1 verse 22, speaking about those 14 years, you know, that, that he spent, you know, between calling and separation, it says this, it says, Paul's face was unknown to the churches of Judea, which are in Christ. And this is important, guys, because I don't know, I don't know about you, but some of us, if the Lord had spoken to us in a very audible voice, you know, some of us have got Jesus himself had appeared to us supernaturally and told us, man, you're, you're the call of the Lord. Man, I, the first place I want to go to, is the first place I want to go to is I want to go to Judea. I want to go to the churches of Jerusalem because that's where the action is. They're going to see me. They're going to know that I'm the call of the Lord. They're going to hear me teach. Come on. Jesus spoke to me. I'm the anointed of the Lord. Don't you know? Come on. See me now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but this is not what Paul did. Right? In fact, what Paul did was he followed the leading of the Lord. Um, and, the, and the Lord told him to go to a desert. He went to Arabia. He went to a place where there was absolutely no one to preach to. He went to a place where there was absolutely no one to give a business card to. He went to a place where there's absolutely no one who could see. Come on, I'm the anointed of the Lord. Jesus himself appeared to me. Don't you know? Don't you know? He went to the desert for three years. And I believe during this time, man, Paul was learning from the Lord. 
I believe during this time, Paul was learning all these things that we're reading in the New Testament. I believe during this time, you know, Paul was receiving fresh revelation from Jesus for, G- for the church, for you, for me. And even, we won't have time to look at those scriptures, so read the book of Acts, just read all of that New Testament. You, you, not once do you see after he leaves the desert, him going back to Jerusalem to kick down doors. For himself not once not once do you actually read in scripture where you where you see paul you know go around trying to self-promote you know going around trying to like make this thing happen for himself not once in fact you know during the years that he leaves after he leaves the desert paul's helping start churches you know paul's just being doing anything really um that he could find that he could find to do and and in fact at the point of separation He's actually helping Barnabas with the church that Barnabas actually started. Right? Barnabas started this church and Barnabas said, Paul, come help me out. And so here was Paul being faithful, serving faithfully in the church, being faithful, doing whatever he found his hands to do, just doing, the, doing what needed to be done. And, and during this time of him being faithful at the church of Antioch, man, they're just praying. They're praying one, 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 one day. And the Holy Spirit you know, then comes and, 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 and separates Paul into the ministry, um, his specific ministry uh, to, to the Gentiles. Amen. And so I say this to say, calling is from God. Separation is from God. You know, we just read, again, Galatians 1 verse 15. Remember I said, we read that scripture and it said, both calling and separation are by the grace of God. So calling is from God. Separation is from God. But here's the thing. What happens in between? It's absolutely up to you. What happens in between is absolutely up to me. (laughs) And so we see from Paul's life, between calling and separation is a tremendous key. And that key is the key of faithfulness. Now there's a scripture that used to confuse me so much. But when I started studying out the life of Paul and I started to really grab a hold of these principles and the revelation from the word of God, um, this, this scripture just made sense, right? And the scripture is in Matthew 22 verse 14. And the scripture simply says this. It says, many are called. Many are called. Many. But it also says, few are chosen. In other words, many are called. But only few are separated into that calling. And do you want to know why many many are called and few are chosen? You know, do you want to know why many are called and few are separated? Right? Exactly. Very few people are willing to just be faithful to do whatever needs to be done. You know, very few people are just willing to be faithful to do whatever needs to be done wherever God has placed them, right? And so many of you, again, you've started to recognize, you you know, and accept the call of God on your life. And and the question you're asking is, is now what? Well, here's your answer. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful with whatever is in front of you. Be faithful with whatever God places in your hands. You know, I shared the story about, you know, my very first job where I just graduated with a master's degree. And you know what? They had the nerve to tell me to color in spreadsheets. They had the nerve to do something that my 10-year-old brother could do in his sleep. Right? And, and this was my very first job. And I knew that, man, God had a call on my life to, to, to do something significant, to do something impactful in the marketplace. But there I was with a master's degree, coloring in spreadsheets. But thank God, man, I thank God. I thank God that I chose the path of faithfulness. And here I've got to say, you know, there's always something that you can find to be faithful to. 
you know they're always these small doors uh, these small doors of opportunity that you can just be faithful in and as you're faithful in these small doors as you're faithful with these small opportunities guess what God is going to open the door for you you know some of us you know that God man I'm called I am so called I am so called but you know what you're just sitting there who I don't know it was it you on your blessed assurance you're just sitting there in your blessed assurance, you know, waiting for the big door to open. I'm not going to do anything. I'm a court of the Lord. The door is going to open. Guess what? The door ain't going to open for you. You need to just be faithful, even with the small little doors, the small little opportunities. And as you're faithful with those small opportunities, guess what? The Lord is going to open the door for you. And that's what I did. I just was faithful with those spreadsheets. I colored in master's, master's graduate coloring and spreadsheets. Man, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the best spreadsheet colorer in that that company has ever known. Amen. And as I was faithful, God opened the door for me to manage a three billion rand portfolio and so i say this many people have a call of god on their lives but many never reach that point of separation because they haven't learned just how to be faithful they haven't learned to be faithful to just do whatever needs to be done they just haven't learned how to be faithful in whatever season of life they're in there's a gentleman called um, gerald brooks and and gerald brooks taught this he taught he taught um a really powerful teaching and pastor t was sharing this with us in in one of our elders meetings um his teaching is called the four seasons of ministry or really the four seasons of a leader's life and he says there are four distinct seasons in any leader's life he says in order of priority the first season is faithfulness he says the second season is giftedness the third season is ownership the final season of a leader's life is stewardship then then gerald brooks actually starts Brooks actually um, gives some statistics on how to successfully enter and how to successfully leave um, each of these seasons. And so he shares this. And man, this is so, prof this is actually so um, like frightening actually. Because he says 70% of people don't make it through the season of faithfulness. Only 30% actually graduate from the season of faithfulness to go on to the season of giftedness. Right? And then he says in giftedness, only 50% don't make it through giftedness, 50% don't make it through ownership, and only actually 10% finish the season of season of stewardship. In fact, he's saying only 10% are really doing and, and fulfilling the, the specific call of God on their lives to the fullest. Right? And then, so if we had to put some numbers behind this, because some of us think better numbers, absolute numbers than percentages. If, if let's say a thousand people, then they know they've been called specifically into... Uh, ministry let's say fivefold ministry right let's say a thousand people you know really have accepted and received the call of god for fivefold ministry right it can be any ministry it can be in the marketplace you know it can be in arts and entertainment it can be government right no let's actually say government because the lord needs christians in government let's say a thousand people know that they're called to the government now the statistics say this out of the thousand only 300 people will make it uh, 300 300 people will make it past the season of faithfulness only t 150 people will make it past the season of giftedness. Only 75 people will make it past the season of ownership. Only eight, eight out of a thousand get to live out their unique purpose, their specific purpose to influence and impact in the government. And these numbers are not up to God, guys. Remember we said calling is from God, separation is, is from God. It's not up to God to determine that only eight people finish. It's up to us. It's up to us, church. So I want to talk a little bit as I close about that season of faithfulness. Because really what we learn from Paul is that it is the key. 
It is really the key from moving from calling to separation. Here's some, some truths you need to know about the season of, of, of faithfulness. Number one, the season of faithfulness is longer than what most people think. It's not a weekend. Can't just be faithful one weekend. Man, goosebumps. Pastor says, yeah, I serve. I want to serve in church. I'm going to serve for the weekend. Yes, and I'm going to be separated of the Lord. No, it's actually longer than most people think. And number two, it's actually more important than what most people think. And the, and the reason why it's actually really important is because the faithfulness season is really our foundation. Wow. It's our foundation. Yeah. We all know that the foundation of anyone's life, you know, the foundation of even a building is what really determines its capacity. Now, the foundation of a building is really what it determines actually the size of a structure. And so when it comes to our life, the season of faithfulness is ultimately what's going to determine our lifelong capacity. The Bible says this, it says, if you can't be faithful with a little, you're not going to be faithful in, in much. Okay, that's my paraphrase. If you can't be faithful with a little, forget about the many big things in your life, okay? Because really the principle is this, if you don't have the capacity to, to, to handle little things, there's no way, no way that you're going to have the capacity to deal with big things. Now, the scripture also says, if you can't be faithful in what belongs to someone else, and I, I kind of paraphrase and translate it as forget about having your own. Forget it. You know, because if you don't have the capacity to look after someone else's stuff, you're not going to have the capacity to look after you know, your own. And I shared this with the first service, and, 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 and I think this is quite, quite important because most people, when they come to Faithful Church, they come at a season when, man, God's doing some amazing things in our life. The church is growing. We're impacting lives really all over, all over the world. But what a lot of people really don't realize, um, and, 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 and I think sometimes you, the people actually incorrectly assume that, man, these people kind of probably stumbled upon all of this success. You know, they kind of like just happened, you know, overnight. You know, it actually didn't. And what most people don't realize is before the Lord led us to start Faithful Church, we, we, were, we, were, we were associate pastors of, an, of another church. You know, we were associate pastors of someone else's ministry. But the one thing that we've determined to do in our lives, and we don't, we're not preaching to you what we don't practice. This is our lifestyle. You know, we made a, de a decision, even as associate pastors of someone else's ministry, we made a decision that we were going to be faithful. We were going to be faithful. We were going to be faithful even in a season where there were only four people. Remember those days when I wonder where Sister Amanda is? You know, sometimes there'd be two of us and then two other people. Sometimes there'd just be two of us, right? And we were so grateful when our daughter came because then it was three of us, right? So we had a minimum, guaranteed minimum of three people. Thank you, Jesus. And we made a decision, you know, that we were going to be faithful even with three. You know, and I'm, one, I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was tough. It was tough. You know, waking up each Sunday, three people, and you keep on showing up next Sunday. But as we were faithful with those few, those little, then God began to add to the church. And what we didn't really understand at that point is while we were being faithful with the little, what we were doing is we were laying the foundation. We were laying the foundation of our lives. You know, as we were, as we were being faithful with what belonged to someone else, what we didn't realize is we, we were developing the capacity. We were developing the capacity, you know, that would enable us ultimately to handle the task um, of, of, of being senior pastors of faithful church you know a global ministry that's impacting lives all over the world and so i say this to say faithfulness is an absolute requirement right and this is not works guys it's a principle it's actually a kingdom principle faithfulness is an absolute requirement for moving from calling to separation in fact first corinthians 4 verse 2 says moreover it is required 
It's required. It's not an option. It's required. If you, if you want to move from the season of faithfulness, you want to move to the season of stewardship and completely fulfill everything that God has destined for you to be, it is a requirement that a man or woman be found faithful. Yeah. Amen. And so really, as we close, I just want to wrap up with the last, the last two lessons um, that, that really we, we learn. Um, the, le- the second lesson is actually a really beautiful example of, of calling and separation that we find in the Bible, which is the story of Elisha. And, and through Elisha, uh, we learn this one key principle, that faithfulness is a choice. You know, we learn we can choose to be faithful even under the most difficult circumstances. You know, we learn from the, the story of Elisha, we can choose to be faithful even around difficult people. So Elisha's calling was really interesting, right? Because Elisha, Elisha's call was actually based on the failure of the prophet Elijah. And, and I always say, if there was ever an award for the most dramatic drama queen, Prophet Elijah would have won that award hands down every year. Man, this guy was said to be very temperamental. He was also said to be probably the most dramatic prophet in the whole Bible. Okay? And so... um, what happens in First Kings in 19, again, I'm not going to have the chance to go there. Go there, search out the scriptures yourself. But Elijah wakes up and he's just woken up after a really eventful day, you know, where he's called down fire from heaven. He's just destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. Man, he's done some amazing stuff. He's prayed earnestly for rain and the rain comes ending like I think a three and a half year drought. You know, he's done some really amazing things. But he wakes up that morning and gets an email from Queen Jezebel. <laughs> and the email, I'm joking, it's not an email. They didn't have emails in those days, right? You know that, right? Anyway, he gets a letter, probably came from a pigeon, a turtle dove, delivered a letter to him from Queen Jezebel. And Queen Jezebel says, I'm going to cut your throat, you know, because you killed the 450 prophets. And guess what? I mean, do you know what Elijah does? Elijah decides to run away. This guy is so full of drama, he runs away. And the scripture says he ran so much. He ran, he ran with so much strength, he ran out of strength. <laughs> and he's complaining to the Lord, I'm going to die. I just want to die. Kill me now. Kill me now. He's probably got more drama than our daughter, right? Manessu is like, Manessu is like, That's okay, no, no. anyway, never mind. I need to finish. He says, kill me now. Kill me now. And then the Lord is saying, no, dude, just go back and f- f- complete your ministry. And you know, go back. Elijah just runs away. He runs away in the opposite direction, right? And he's now like, Lord, I can't do this. No one cares about me. Woe is me. I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged, you know? And then the Lord says, okay, dude, if this is what you want, then the ministry's over, right? Go and anoint Elisha. And so uh, Elijah sets out um, in 1 Kings 19, go and read it for yourself, right? And he finds Elisha, and he finds this rich, rich guy, man. Because the scripture says uh, Elisha was in the fields, and he was plowing, it says, with 12 pair of oxen. You know, that, that symbolizes some real wealth. So, so Elisha wasn't just sitting around on his blessed assurance, right? He was actually being productive. In fact, he was very wealthy. Because in those days, in the ancient times, only really the wealthy people would have oxen to, to, to offer to the Lord. You know, the, the, the others would kind of have a lamb or, or a turtle dove. Oh, I'm loving the turtle dove concept, right? So he was a really rich guy. So uh, Elijah finds this guy, and he, and he throws his mantle um, around, around Elisha's shoulder. And that throwing of the mantle represents calling. When, when Elisha received the mantle, he knew then and there you know, that the that, that, that Lord was, was calling him um, into fulfilling the office, the office of a prophet. 
And so, and so, and so, and so what happened after that? Because we, we, we start learning a key principle between calling and separation. You know, what happened after that was actually quite interesting because Elisha's, Elisha's ministry like, was by no means glamorous. In fact, you know, he, when he chose to then follow Elijah after he received that calling, he didn't perform a single miracle during the time. Right? Here he was just being faithful, faithfully serving. Actually, he was a servant. He just carried around Elijah's uh, bags. And I, I believe every day he, man, he heard this guy complaining every day, every second, every minute. And I think sometimes he used to sit and think, why on earth did I leave my farm? What, why on earth am I following this big baby? What on earth have I done to deserve this? Oh, this guy is, woe is me, woe is me. But guess what? The days become weeks. And Elisha keeps showing up and being faithful. The weeks become months. The months become one year. And Elijah, he keeps showing up and being faithful. And eventually, one year becomes ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Elijah faithfully follows this very difficult man, this very trying man, for ten years. And one day, you know, as Elijah is um, uh, 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 being goes up to heaven, you know, supernaturally in a whirlwind, you know, the mantle falls uh, back on Elijah, and Elijah is finally separated into f- fulfilling his call. And so I say this to say, faithfulness is a choice. Man, you may not always be feel like being faithful, especially if you're working for the boss from hell. Right? But it's a choice that we all get to make. And I want to end this, Marshall, with the very last lesson that we learned. And that lesson is simply this. God is never late. But he's always also never early. Okay? Let's look at the life of Moses. I'm going to paraphrase it. We're not even going to go and look at the scriptures, right? But we all know the story of Moses. And Moses, um, Moses had a call of God on his life. And, and Moses' specific call is that he'd been called by God to, to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. But the scriptures say that, man, Moses, he, 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 he tried to fulfill, you know, the call of God um, on his life in his own strength and get this in his, in his own timing, right? Um, the lesson that I was really going to share with you is I, I really do believe that, you know, Moses, Moses had, a, had, a, had, had a, a real immaturity around him because the... the the time period between calling and separation um, is not only a period really of faithfulness, but, but it's really quite key for us to, to develop character and to develop our, our maturity in all areas of our lives, right? Um, I, I cannot stress more about character because, you know, I, I really believe this. God, God, is, God is so much more interested in our character than He is in our gifts. You know, Moses, Moses really had the calling and he, he really did have the gifts to be the, the deliverer of the Israelites. But really what he hadn't developed as yet was, was, was his character. And so I want to share just quickly two few points and then we'll stand up about, about, about character. And why it's so important, you know, that we don't step out too early, you know, before we've had time really to develop our character. Point number one is your gift can take you to a place but it's going to be your character that will, t- that will keep you there, okay? Your gift can, can take your place. In fact, the Bible says your gift shall make room for you. But if you lack character, you're not going to stay in that room. Your lack of character will make sure that you do not stay in that place. And so giftings and anointings, man, they're given from heaven. When you're born again, they're given in an instant. But character, character is built really on earth 
and it's developed over time. Um, character allows us all to stay in the game of life for a long time. So we need character. We need to develop our character. And, and the last fact I want to share with you about character is your success stops where your character stops. It stops. You can never rise above the limitations of, 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 of your character. Okay? And so, and so Jesus, uh, Moses decides to shortcut this process and the end result is actually he's, he, he ends up going to, to the desert for 40 years. Right? Joseph, I always joke, Joseph went from the pit to the palace. Moses went from the palace to the desert. Moses went to the desert for 40 years. And not only did it impact his life, but it also impacted the Jews' life because the Jews spent an extra 30 years um, in bondage something that God never intended them to do. Amen. So I want you to rise on your feet because I want to show you, I want to tell you this as close. And so Moses spends 40 years in the wilderness. And I believe during this time, what was happening was I believe his character was being developed. And I believe he was, he was being matured um, in, into really um, what, what God had, had, had called him to do. And so the Lord then appears to Moses again in the desert. And, and this is really Moses' point of separation. And it's found in Exodus 3. Um, and I'm going to read verse 10 in the New Living Translation. And the Lord says this to him. He says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. He says, You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But, but man, Moses was such a different man. Because this time... And I, I believe because he spent so much time developing his character, spent so much time developing um, maturity in all areas of his life, Moses' response was, wow. It was, it, was, it was something else because Moses had now just come to the end of himself. You know, he's no longer that self-confident person who just wanted to open doors for himself and step out in his own timing and make things happen for himself. This is what Moses said in verse 11. He says, who am I to appear before, the, before Pharaoh? You know, who am I, Lord, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And I just love how the Lord answers because I believe that this is what the Lord is telling each and every single one of us today. Because as we wrap up this series, I really hope you know that God is telling you to do something totally significant um, in this world, in your life, with your life. You know, as a church, I truly believe that the Lord is now more than ever raising the platform on us as a church, raising the platform for our voice to be heard in the darkness, for us to be a light and a hope in, in the darkness. You know, some of us in our personal lives, you know, God is calling us to step out more than we've ever stepped out before. And, and you're probably asking yourself, how am I going to do it, Lord? Who am I, Lord? And so let's hear what Moses, uh, the Lord says to Moses. And this is what the Lord is saying to you this morning. The Lord simply says to Moses in Exodus 3 verse, verse 12. He says this, man, he says this. He says, I will be with you. And so this morning, I just want to tell someone, and, and this is, I, I want to tell someone here that the dreams that you've been having, the desires that the Lord has been stirring in your heart, the big things that the Lord has been showing you about your life and that your life counts and that your life matters. You are significant and the Lord has been showing you these dreams. But this morning the Lord is saying right now that these things are going to come to pass not by your power. These things are going to come to pass not by your might, but it's going to be by my spirit. 
And I really hear the word of the Lord say this over us. The Lord say this specifically to you. The Lord is saying today that I am with you. The Lord is saying this morning that I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Someone say, Father, I thank you that you have a powerful calling on my life. And the fulfilling of this calling will not be by my power. It will not be by my strength, but it will be by your spirit. Because you are with me, and you will be with me. Today, I want to be separated into that calling at the right time, in the right way. Today, I make a decision that I am going to be faithful in whatever... I find my hands to do and wherever I find myself in I make a decision that I'm going to be faithful with the little that I'm going to be faithful with what belongs to another person today I make a decision that I'm going to serve my boss faithfully that I'm going to serve my customers faithfully and Father, I thank you that I as, am I, as I am faithful with the little, you are bringing much into my life. As I'm faithful with the little, you're bringing promotion to my life. Lord, I thank you that my character is being developed and I will be ready for my point of separation. Come on, someone give God a big shout of praise. He's an awesome father. Amen. Amen. You want to pray? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, as uh, Pastor C was just sharing, I, thought, I just thought to add this, you know, this element of, uh, of, of humility that really ministered to me. Uh, you know, when we were in, in, in Colorado, you know, Ashley and I got to visit, you know, where uh, Andrew's house, where he stayed. Uh, for 35 years and what blessed me was how uh, simple uh, this man lives it's a four bedroom house that probably none of us would pick in a in a in a home magazine and yet he has you know uh, uh, millions flowing through his hands but i like his focus is is the main thing you gotta keep the main thing the main thing which is to see people's lives changed amen and so I just thought to encourage you with that. It's going to take a great deal of humility if you're going to walk into the fourth season, the eight people, yeah, I believe he is there, mm -hmm. you know, one of the uh, eight, thousand, yeah. eight, you know, people that get to live. I believe he is there and I believe we can learn something from him. And I also just wanted to talk about this book uh, for some of you who believe you're called, right? Amen. And... Uh, you know, you have that little silent uh, limitation of your gender, yeah. uh, particularly us here in Africa, and you have that thing, you know, uh, telling you you can't be called, you can't step into it. Now, here's a gentleman from Cape Town. His name is Teran Williams. And uh, I actually saw uh, the rugby captain's wife, Rachel. You know, Policy. she was yeah, she was reading this book, and it's a powerful book. 
we got introduced by Steve, Olivia, and I found out the stories. This gentleman belonged to one of those churches that don't think women should speak. And so they asked him to do a, a, a research on why women shouldn't speak. And so as he went in to support that argument, the more he read the Bible, the more he found out the opposite was true. Mm. So that experience caused him to say, guys, I think we are wrong. You know, the Bible is, is God calling everybody. You know, now that we are in Christ, it's neither Jew nor Amen. Gentile, Amen. male or female, because we are all one in Christ. Amen? Amen. And so he came up and he wrote this book. It's a powerful book. It's called How God Sees Women. And Amen. so if you want to uh, pick it up, we only have about 20 maybe only. Uh, less now because you know people have been buying them but this will set you free to step into your Amen. season of preparation Amen. with confidence knowing that God will separate you into your calling. Amen. Amen. And so this is the book, How God Sees Women. It's right there at the back in the bookstore. Amen. You can uh, pick it up Amen. after the service. Okay. Amen. 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 Well, can I pray for you guys? Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for every single person, um, really, that's under the sound of my voice. Father, we just want to thank you that really during this um, during this series, Father, you've begun to stir up desires in their heart. Man, Father, you've begun to reveal purpose, their specific, unique purpose, Lord. And Father, I just thank you that even um, during this time between calling and separation, Father, I thank you that you're preparing them. Father, I thank you that, man, they've made that decision today that they're going to be faithful. You know, I, I pray, Father, that they, they will just make that decision, that today marks the day that I choose faithfulness in my life. Man, Father, I thank you that they'll stop looking to the past. Man, there may have been a time when they just didn't want to be faithful. But, Father, we say, man, the past is done. The past is finished. It's gone. Today is a brand new day. And today we choose to be faithful. So, Father, we just want to thank you for every single person here, Father, that they, you may prepare them, prepare their hearts, prepare their lives, prepare their character, mature them, grow them, really into the fullness of every single thing that you have for their lives. And so, Father, we just give you all the glory. We give you all the honor for everything, the truly significant things that you will do through and in each of them. They are world changers, Father. They are world changers, Lord. May we never forget that. And so, Father, we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say amen and amen and amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.